Talk Fast Five, brought to you in partnership with the AM Consumer and Retail Group, Firework, Trigo, Sezzle, and Silk. Ranked in the top 10% of podcasts globally, the Omnitalk Fast Five is a podcast that we hope makes you feel a little smarter, but most importantly, a little happier each week, too. Today is February 9th, 2023. I am your host, Ann Mazinga. And I'm Chris Walton. And we are here once again to discuss all the headlines making waves in the world of omni-channel retailing. Chris, we made it back. We did good energy today on the read. Thanks. Though making waves, like I could feel the oomph oh. in the voice. Okay. It was good. All right. Well, we try every yeah, day. Yeah, we do. We try. I got to tell you, I had quite the hangover after last weekend. That was that was, that was was kind of a brutal week. Like, I mean, not we from were, drinking. No, not from drinking. No, just like from like work. Like a travel hangover. Yeah. Like, a work hangover. And work. Like, you know, the trade show uh, all week in Vegas, followed by, an, you know, 8.30 call sheet uh for a keynote the on friday it was it was i was i was i was it was eight I, we got there at eight yes eight you're right and it was like a 40 minute you're giving drive yourself too. an extra I was, half hour i was bushed as you... they would say and i was Ooh. bushed i don't know if i like that expression you don't like that much. that is an expression though right bush when you're tired not sure i think it used that's to be. like biden's uh good luck in your senior year of football or whatever or good luck in your senior year statement i, I question everything now i don't know any of these poll setters i don't know i i just i always have to say I probably have no idea what the hell anyone's talking about. That's right. Yeah. No, that's probably true. I mean, that's that's just generally a good. That's probably the way you roll in general. You just kind of you just kind of in a daze, a funk. Is that what we're saying? I wouldn't say I'm in a daze in general. I think that makes me sound like I'm an idiot. But I would say that your words, not mine. Well, I I think that's implied. Um, I would say that no. I think that like there's a whole book, for example, that I just learned this morning. When I was reading an article, there's a whole book that somebody at the University of Minnesota who's like world renowned, mm. he wrote just about like expressions. Like common idioms that people yes. know or don't know. And like yeah. how it goes by geography and all kinds of things. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really fascinating. If you want to dig into that, you could. I but... think that's one of the underappreciated aspects of our show is that we try to talk about the origin of some of these idioms like gift horse in the mouth yes bushed is that really an expression to describe how tired you are but anyway i think we should get moving here Anne. i think we should stick to retail all right let's I stick to that's, retail that's versus where, idiom translation yes. yes idiom we translation. are not the world yes. the world's expert <laughs> idiots in... on idiom translation that's idiots the two on of us on yes. a thursday yes. morning all right but before we get to the headlines today we've got some exciting news and yes Shop Talk has now confirmed more than 200 speakers with another 75 on the way. Unbelievable. There's a ton of top tier content from the biggest names in retail, including the CEOs of Walmart International, Foot Locker, Chewy, Tapestry, Levi's, and Pinterest. And the ones I'm particularly interested in, Anne, I want to see Mary Dillon. Yes. Because I'm curious what she has to say coming off of her role at Ulta and how she plans to transition to Foot Locker. Because to me, those businesses are really different. So I'm curious to see what she has to say about that or if it's just more like kind of talking points, you know, yeah. which you can sometimes hear. And also Judith McKenna, Walmart International. Like I'm excited about that because it feels like it feels like Walmart is using International as its Sam's Club part two, like its Petri dish for innovation. Mm. Okay. You know, all the new store assist things they're doing are coming from Asda over there as well or their operation they used to have with Asda. So I'm curious to see what she's going to talk about on that front. But add to that, yeah, the introduction of Meetup, their new meetings experience powered by in-house tech that's going to enable us all to meet with people who truly want to meet, a massive exhibit hall with more than 650 leading tech providers. And even better, Anne, I can't believe it, 
We also hear that Nelly, Nelly Ann, the legendary man himself, is coming to He's perform the at rounds. their annual beach party. Yes, he is. Like but I'm excited. I cannot wait. I'm so excited to see him. He's still one of, I think, the most iconic R&B. He's making you do something it's really uncomfortable. It's really, it's really uncomfortable. That's that alone for, for worth me the price is, of admission. Hell yeah, yeah, right. Absolutely. I know, right? Especially if your company is like you know involved in that. But ticket prices. Here's the important important point though. Ticket prices increase this Friday, so tomorrow from when we're taping this. So don't wait. Get yours now. Join us at the Can't Miss Retail Event of the Year. You can learn more and register at shoptalk.com slash US slash Omnitalk. That's shoptalk.com slash US slash Omnitalk. All right. In today's Fast Five, we've got news on Giant Eagle's plans to stop mailing weekly circulars. Woohoo. Woohoo. Yeah, right. Okay, cool. I guess I see where Anne stands on that yeah. one. Instacart's deployment of its scan and go solution with the notable grocer, food seller that mm-hmm. may or may not have been a little facetious intentionally belk opening its first outlet store gap entering into a partnership with a subsidiary of ups to outsource its logistics services to small and medium-sized businesses but we begin today with follow-up news for the second week in a row on amazon fresh and will this story ever end i don't know chris i but it's making for some good like netflix era entertainment in the world of retail um so headline number one chris according to our latest news in grocery dive coming off the opening of its two new amazon fresh stores in london last week Amazon now says it plans to pause any further Amazon Express Amazon Fresh expansion. Uh, Amazon has halted the rollout of its Amazon Fresh grocery stores as the company figures out how to better differentiate them and improve their economics. A quote from Amazon CEO Andy Jassy says, quote, We've decided over the last year or so that we're not going to expand the physical fresh doors until we have that equation with differentiation and economic value that we like. But we're optimistic that we're going to find that in 2023, end Mm. quote. That was a comment from, again, Andy Jassy, current CEO of Amazon, according to a Seeking Alpha transcript. Chris, um, those are pretty bold words and language identifying a big major issue, um, but also saying he thinks there's going to be a solution in the same year. What do you think about this one? Um, my only question is, is the pause pregnant? Like, this seems like a big pause. Yes. And this seems like a big deal. Um, you know, in a nutshell, I mean, in summary for me, I mean, we've talked about this now, it feels like incessantly for the last, I think we've hit this like three weeks in a row and now it's finally being said, right. you know, like, so for me, I'm, in a way, I'm not surprised, you know, like I, I keep harping on it, but grocery is hard. Mm-hmm. And it tells me something when Amazon would rather sit on all its leases yeah. than open up stores. Because it tells me that people are probably not liking the Amazon Fresh experience all that much. And for as interesting as Just Walk Out Technology sounds in the internal Amazon press releases when they first did it, yeah, it's not enough. It's not enough to get past the product ex- and the experience that's required in grocery. Yes. You know, it's just not enough to do it. And particularly when you're like asking people to scan something on entry or you got to use a smart cart as well, like for a full-size grocery chip. That's just a lot to get over. Yeah. And I don't see the value equation. I'm guessing the value equation isn't there, which is why maybe the stuff we talked about last week with London and them orienting the store differently. Mm -hmm. But if that's all it is, which is all we heard, and it's not about a different experience of the products of grocery themselves or the experience of grocery themselves... I wonder if it's going to lead to anything. So I'm not optimistic like he is that they're actually going to crack the code on this in 2023 because it seems 
much harder yeah given my experience in grocery yeah i mean i i agree i think you're 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 dead right in grocery is a difficult business to do and there people care i mean we've seen that when you know you look at players like target who still aren't able to come up or even walmart who are yeah trying to trying to bring grocery in but they're the quality i mean personally like i don't think the quality is still there where it's going to replace my my quality of produce that i can get from a regional or even the costcos and sam's club that's right. out there so i think that you know it is a difficult business they do have to figure out how they're going to bring the right assortment but i do think that they are able to they they will be able to figure something out and i don't think it's mm. going to be it's going to be assortment as much as it's going to be how can we make these buildings work hardest for us and they have the runway that other retailers, I'm going to say it again, like that other retailers don't. Amazon has more power in those lease negotiations. They, they, When you look at all these buildings that are sitting vacant, the cities are trying to fight back. I've spoken to people locally who have these, these stores that are sitting there. And Amazon kind of gets to dictate the terms and how things are going to operate. Now, how long that will last for, I don't know. But I think that ultimately, you know, Again, Amazon has the ability to pause, to hold, even with the money that it costs for them to do that, to really sort and figure this out. And I think that they'll come to a solution um, quickly that they or within the year quickly that they can sort out like how we're going to make this work economically and then kind of work on convenience as a second part and then quality of the product as the third. Yeah, I don't know. See, I listen to you talk about that and I'm actually more emboldened that they're not going to figure this out because, yeah, they can do that. They may may, may or may not. And I'm sure people would argue uh, the extent of which they have the power to control, you know, to negotiate the leases to the extent that they want. But like at the end of the day, like you can do that all you want. But if you don't have an experience that is captivating to the consumer, it doesn't matter. And so that's where I'm still like, when I step back, thirty thousand mm-hmm. foot view, I'm like, what is the ultimate point of differentiation for these grocery stores, for mm-hmm. these physical grocery stores? Yep. And I don't know what that is. It's hard to see that on the horizon. Um, the other point I would make too is that it tells me as well that retailers, when you start thinking about it in that frame of context, if retailers are going to go after computer vision, yeah. They're going to have to go at it from an operational point of view mm-hmm. as opposed to a pull from the demand on the consumer side that the consumers want this in their stores because this is telling me that the consumers aren't that ready to adopt this. Yeah. And so for it to find its legs, its sea legs, it's going to have to have an impact on the operations of the retailer first and foremost for it to be successful. And so that's also a big question now hanging out there too. So I don't know how this is going to play out. It's fascinating. Yeah, it, it's it's something to watch, but confirming again what we've uh, made the assumptions on for right. the last you know six months even uh, since these these whoever who knows how many stores are still sitting vacant across the country. Yeah, it's kind of sad, but you know, and yeah, it's kind of I could talk about this one forever, but let's keep moving on. All right, headline number two: Giant Eagle is doing away with mailing its weekly advertising circular in its home market of Pittsburgh. According to Supermarket News, the move goes into effect March 2nd, and a notice in the most recent circular announced that the circulars were, quote, moving from your mailbox to your inbox, end quote. That's cool. It's clever. And provided a QR code that customers can scan to create a digital account and to begin receiving the weekly circulars digitally. Customers can also download the circular via the company's mobile app and can access the circular for their local stores through the Giant Eagle website. The move, and this is important, comes after Giant Eagle had previously ended the mailing of printed circulars in the Cleveland and Central Ohio markets. And I'm guessing no, but do you have any misgivings at all about this move? No, I love it. I think it's smart. I think it's bold. 
it, there are, you know, unfortunately giant teams of people who I know work on this and are employed by the printing um, and mailing and right. shooting of the, the images and all the content that goes into these circulars. But I think sometimes you just need to force people to move into new ways of doing things. The future generation, they're not using these these coupons. So you, you're going to have to cut them out at some yeah. point in time. And I actually think that this move, while it will be changed and some people are not going to like it, it's also not doing away with the circulars. You can still get them at the store. They're not like they're just stopping the mailing and the cost that is involved there. But you're you're making a smarter move for the business and eventually for the consumer. You're allowing retailers now to be engaging with and offering those discounts and coupons and circulars to their clients, but also getting a one-to-one relationship with their consumers in, in exchange for that information. Um, and then I think you start to have a better experience on the other side for the customer too, because those offers and coupons, once you have that direct one-to-one relationship, can now start to get personalized and can be better for the consumer. So yes, it's change. I think that it's going to be difficult for some people, but I do think that it's really the smarter way to go. The only other thing I would add too is I think you look at companies like Skipify, mm-hmm. we interviewed a long time ago, yeah. who are already taking and really creating the most simplistic ways for customers to get that that circular in their inbox, add things right from the their inbox to their grocery shopping list. Like there's ways that this will hopefully have an easier transition on on the consumer and be better overall for everybody. Yeah, that's an interesting point too. Like once the once the grocers go all or even all retail go in on the you know the digitization rather than the continued mailing of their advertising mm-hmm. materials the innovation in that space is still is going to get supercharged even more because right. then it's a requirement so that's an interesting point i hadn't thought about before you know for me like when i first saw this headline i was like okay be careful you know every last visit matters especially in grocery which is yep. a, generally a low margin business but then for me the capper was where it puts me on your side of things which is when i heard that they already did this in another market, so they probably know it's it's game on, yeah. right? They know it's going to work. Um, and when you have 80-year-olds at breakfast next to me talking about buying things on Amazon, I think it's it's just- You had that too? Oh, yeah. I've had that all the time. Like, it happens all the time. Huh. Yeah, all the time. So, so you know, it's it's about time. But I would still say this. I, I imagine there's still a place for a well-timed direct mail piece sure. from every retailer. Yeah. You know, at the right time of year, like maybe around Super Bowl or whatnot, but- They do it every week, I think, yeah, 100%. Let's get rid of it. All right, let's go to headline number three. So Instacart is rolling out scan and pay with food seller out of Long Island. According to Chain Storage, food seller market is the first retailer to fully deploy Instacart's scan and pay technology, which is part of the grocery technology provider's connected stores platform in the food seller stores. Uh, To get started, food seller market customers, they walk in, they see a giant sign with a QR code, at the front of the store, they open the scan and pay opportunity on their mobile browser so they can add items to their basket as they shop. When they're done, customers can check out from anywhere in the store directly from their phone and show a QR code as they leave to confirm their payment. It should also be noted that Food Seller Market was also an early testing hub for caper carts before Instacart later acquired the company. Um, Chris, mm-hmm. this is uh, one of the first... like public things that I've seen about scan and pay being No, used the article says the, it's the first yeah, one. First deployment. Um in there's two food seller stores mm. in New York. Two? Two. Total? 
two total that I was able to find. Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong on that. Yeah. But what are your thoughts on this announcement? Uh, yeah, I'm, I, and I could I could not be more skeptical of this announcement. Sure. And there, there's a few reasons. Number one is timing. I find it very odd that this announcement comes immediately after the week where Instacart publicly said it's winding down its in-store picking services right. for retailers, for retailers that want to do like their own curbside pickup and and uh, and buy online, pick up in store. So that's interesting to me, which yep. always makes me go, hmm. But second is like you alluded to. That was a 90s song too, Things That Make makes you, you Go. go mm-hmm. yeah. All right. But the second piece is what you said. Like the grocer itself, like nothing came with a caper cart, like at all. That we're like, aware of. Where, I mean, is, I where is that in this conversation, right? Which the article alludes to. And, and so here you have the grocer, which is two stores. Yeah which was one of the early testers of the caper cart jumping in the pool again. That seems really dubious to me as the first announcement here. Like I wouldn't be hanging my hat on this as my first announcement yeah. for that reason. But you actually, you have some experience on this because you talked to food seller back Years in the ago. day when we were trying to, when we were out in New York trying to see the cart. Yeah. And that experience was pretty unique. I think you got to talk about that. A yeah. Little bit. I mean, we were going out to NRF and I was trying to, when caper cart, first was released we were trying to figure out a way to go and actually see one and test it for ourselves in the stores and i called several locations i think there was three grocers that were supposedly testing the caper cart um food seller being one of them and i called the store like hey do you have these caper carts i'm interested in checking them out and passed along to one person to one person to eventually a store manager who was like yeah i don't even know what is going on. like we i think we have one i don't know if it's in this store or not and you know to to his credit probably had a million other things right. on his mind that For he was sure. not caring about me which is important right so whether or not this is like the crazy um headline driving news that it's made out to be is i think you're right to be skeptical um but you know They've been food seller has has been on the full Instacart train. They've been using right. everything since 2016, one of the earliest adopters. I just worry though that this could be the like nail in the coffin of this partnership with the scan and go deployment because the only oh, thing right. that is changing about this experience is the ability to allow for scan and pay and there's no like we look at what happened at Wegmans here and the theft that was happening when Wegmans shut down. Um, and I think that this could be I think food seller with only two locations like this is a really small retailer. Mm-hmm. And to to see what's going to happen if people right. are going to like walk out with stuff, if they're going to like what's what's all really going to happen and take place here. And if this doesn't pay off, like as an executive at food seller, I'm like, is this still worth it? Like how much are we paying for Instacart? Is it is it really like really giving us any return here right it's a, it's a great point because like if, you, if you, instacart if you can't make it work in this environment it ain't gonna work anywhere because right. it's a very complicated thing ultimately at the end of the day you have to have integration with your point of sale you have to get the customers acclimated you have to be making sure you're cognizant of theft and how that's happening we had yeah. you know we had shop Primon talking about all the steps they go to do right. that so that yeah if this doesn't work or if, if they suddenly go away from it or, you know, word gets out, then stay on this people in New York because we're curious. Like if, if they suddenly shut it down, like that's pretty damn telling. Well, I think this is going to be a lot harder than they think. And, too. and Instacart, like, oh, is are you is this business going to be driven on a retailer with two locations? Like, how is this profitable for Instacart? I don't understand. Like, how many food seller markets do you have to have around the yeah, country. although that's not, I mean, when you're just on a first deployment, I think that makes sense. I mean, for that's sure, how for sure. I'm just, I guess things. I'm looking more of it as like food seller's been on this platform since 2016. Like, 
you need a lot of food sellers to make this to make the Instacart connected stores platform work. And I just don't know that there's enough out there. And and I don't know that the amount of work it's going to take for Instacart to gather all of those retailers is going to make it worth the investment. Yeah, it's great. And it's a big pivot for Instacart. I mean, we talked about this on a show probably six months ago. Like when you start pivoting to the small and medium sized grocers, totally different operation yes. that you're talking about yes. here. Very different than what it takes to service, you know, like Kroger, who they had a long. And they do, they can't hang forever. on to scan and go. If they start having crazy amounts of theft, they're not going to be able to hang on to the scan and pay. Like they they're a small retailer. They can't. It's not Amazon. No, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. All right. Well, let's before we move on to headline number four, we want to take a moment to tell you about another conference we're heading to this summer. Yes. Join Ann and I, the Omni Talk crew at the Commerce Next e-commerce growth show on June 20th to 21st in New York City. New York City. We will be live streaming from the show. You can learn from over 120 industry leading speakers across more than 50 sessions. Scaled retailers and brands also get free admission. Just go to commercenext.com slash conference and use VIP code FAST5, two words, to register for your complimentary ticket today. Check out the link in our podcast show notes in our description to learn more. All right, and headline number four, Belk has joined the ranks of Best Buy and many others when it opened its first outlet store this week. According to Retail Dive, the regional department store converted one of its locations in Greenville, Tennessee, into a new Belk outlet, which sells clearance items from its larger retail locations. With the new layout, the store has been able to triple its practice order. That was fascinating to me. Yeah. And the outlet location, it should also be noted, does not sell beauty or fine jewelry products, in case you were interested. And all sales are also- Valentine's Day is coming up. I know, right? I thought about that this morning. I was like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. But Anne, uh, you, you, you fought hard for this one. This is, this is an Anne special headline this week. Why? I- I think we're seeing a lot of articles in the news lately talking about how off-price or outlets are the are a strategy for large retailers. And my question that was raised from this is like if if that's the future strategy, if they're seeing success with this, I think it deserves some thought and consideration, especially in the Belk example where it's just taking clearance items from the other stores and consolidating them into one giant clearance center, same as we're seeing with Macy's backstage. What investments, if any, are being made upstream before, like I think of of RFID tagging, for example, and Macy's, like what are investments are you making upstream so that you can have a better experience in store, but then also a better outlet experience or a reimagination of that outlet experience for your end consumer? Um, like, could you have a rug that I'm interested in. Could I see it at Macy's? Could I track it as in its journey at Macy's? And then once it goes to the outlet store, still know that the outlet store that's just been converted near me has three of those rugs. Yes, I still have to go hunt for them once I get there through three times as much uh, right, product as, as it sounds like it's going to look like at Belk. But I, I have some guarantee that that product is actually in that store that it's worth me making the trip that i'm not just going to spend an entire day on saturday digging through piles of stuff in the hopes that i find something and i just think it, it it's something that you 
if it's as big a part of your strategy, I would be thinking about what investments I'm going to make to really differentiate my outlet from Mm. others because it's still going to come. It's still a physical footprint. You still have to make the economics work and you're still going to need to have a strategy in place for your outlets as you have a strategy in place for your your non-outlet stores. Interesting. See, I think I'd go the other way on this. Okay. Like I think if I, I mean, outlets definitely a trend. Off price is definitely a trend. You're seeing more people do it like we talked about in the headline, but- I think I'd go the other way. Like I would just, I would be making these outlet stores turn and burn on as little investment as possible, almost like a startup mentality to them. And I'd be putting my investments in my technology toward my flagship operation because, you know, at the end of the day, it's all added benefit to them. Yeah. And so you could, and, and, and it's there to be picked up seemingly because of the trend. Like if you just don't, if you don't actually step on your own foot or get in your own way, like there's probably money to be made. So if you start over investing in technology, that could hamstring the operation a little bit. So for me, I don't I don't know that I would. I think I'd be like, okay, let's just get these things stood up. The outlet shopping experience is kind of a particular experience. Do right. I get the point about can you make it better online? But do you really need to do that at this day and age when you have so many other issues you're ca- trying to counter as a flagship operation, you know, from your general supply chain availability on right. shelf, your inflation, your wage rates, your staffing shortages, theft, all those things. Like, I don't know. I I think I I don't think I'd be leaning too hard on new tech in these stores. I think you could have both though. I mean, I kind of think like it makes the case again for like an investment in RFID technology early on um, that yeah, serves the purpose through, through sure. the chain, yeah, right? Through, sure. I mean, yeah. I think there's so many more opportunities, yeah. like save the sale opportunities, especially in like with Best Buy and like a refrigerator. I mean, how many times have you been able to like gone and look at a refrigerator? They don't have this one for six months and now I have to go to another retailer. But if you had visibility between what's here, what's at the outlet store, and you can be like, there's a scratch and dent one at the outlet store that's 60 miles away. I know there's two of them there. Go for it. Like, I think there's opportunity. Are you really shopping for a refrigerator for six months? There was appliances. We were looking. I mean, we just... We just got a refrigerator wow. door. We had to get a new refrigerator. It took almost a year to come to get the, the new. Oh, to get a new refrigerator. To yeah, get a new refrigerator. Because there so, yeah, right. there's an appliance the shortage. shortage. Right. So I'm, yeah, I guess I'm saying, I guess yeah. I'm saying, like you have the opportunity to provide better experiences for your customers to do what Sam's Club is doing in store, where you see something and you can scan, scan it, pay, and ship from the outlet. Like all these things could make the outlet shopping experience so much better. So, so your po- your point is essentially that you want better inventory visibility in your yes. retail outlets in addition to your regular. Yes, stores. I think better in- investment <laughs> in better inventory visibility will That's serve what you you're throughout right. the life cycle right. of your product. Which is probably true. Yes, yes which absolutely. is something we've long said on this show. All right, it'll never happen. Um, okay, headline number five. According to Chain Storage, Gap has entered into a partnership with a subsidiary of UPS to open its fulfillment centers to small and mid-sized businesses. The specialty apparel giant is partnering with Ware, W-A-R-E, to the number two, Go, Where to Go, an on-demand fulfillment platform that enables one to two-day shipping across the U.S. The two companies are said to be combining Gap's hosted supply chain service, which is called GPS Platform Services, uh, which the chain launched in 2022 with Where to Go's delivery platform. The new joint service offers small to medium-sized businesses, or SMBs, a combined footprint of over 35 warehouses and distribution centers, as well as machine learning and data science capabilities. This is a quote. Uh, the future of fulfillment looks like SMBs owning zero warehouses, end quote, said Steve Denton, CEO of Where to Go. Quote, our merchants want to remain focused on growing their business and product portfolios and not worry about the ins and outs of their inventory placement or building up a labor workforce to support peak season, Mm. end quote. 
Uh, Chris, yes. this is also the A&M put you on the spot question. I had a feeling because I realized we hadn't had it yet. Yes. Uh, A&M wants to know this. Uh, Gap started this journey a while ago for businesses that were counter-cyclical to theirs and now to leverage the assets they've built to support Q4 spikes as well as when business was stronger. Are there enough counter-cyclical players to fill what Gap needs and how much mm. time should an apparel retailer spend mm. on enabling their platforms to manage other businesses? Mm. There's some leading the witness in that question. I like it. It's such a great question. You know what it tells me too? It tells me that A&M goes to the wall on these questions and bats them around internally until they feel like they've got something that they and like. And somebody's actually run a, f- a DC right. and like right. knows how the supply chain works. Knows how works. this works, yeah. Yes. But they're, yes. they're like really going to the well on these, like internally. I can tell as they're like sending to us because that's a very, very thoughtful, there's many next levels to that question. Yes. So, well, first off, I want to say this before I get answer the question directly. This whole idea is starting to overtake the retail media network as the hot idea every creature of habit retailer is going to start trying, yeah. I think. Um, but now to answer the question, and Shekar, Shekar from Quiet Platform, American Eagle subsidiary, mm-hmm. he addressed this directly on stage. He said that there are tons of different seasons that can be leveraged to sm- smooth demand out of these warehouses. He cited things like the Super Bowl for food, the summer season, back to school. But honestly... I'm a little skeptical of that argument, which I think is what AM is too, when you yeah. read between the lines. Like, for example, that might be true, but you're not running food out of the same warehouse that you're running your apparel out of, right? It just doesn't work that way. Um, at least from my knowledge, it doesn't. And so I don't necessarily understand how that helps. So the point that AM is alluding to is valid. And the other thing I'd say is I don't think anyone should get carried away with this idea. Mm-hmm. There are possibly some unique elements to what American Eagle is doing, but in many ways, it's starting to end what Gap is doing too, but like in many ways, it's just starting to feel like an extension or like another version of a 3PL mm-hmm. setup. And so my question for the SMBs that are thinking about this is I would be very resolute and thoughtful in asking, what am I getting with you that I'm not getting with the traditional 3PL? Mm-hmm. Lay that out for me and separate it from all the gloss and glitz that you're putting on this, like making it sound like it's really different. Mm-hmm. Because maybe it is, yeah. and maybe I just don't understand it well enough yet, and I'm open to it, but that's what I would be doing is like checking the boxes. I get this with them. I get this with this, this other player. What are the differences? And make a conscious decision, decision about that, because mm-hmm. otherwise you could get swept swept up in this um, for sure. I So I want to I wanna challenge one thing that you said. Okay. Because you're saying you're not shipping food and like apparel out of the same warehouse. I mean, isn't Walmart, Amazon, Target? No, they're not shipping out of the same. Like even dry goods, they're not using dry the goods. Same. They, dry goods, they might be, but I would I would imagine there are signi- there are different warehouses built for food distribution. At least there were in my time. Different warehouses built for food distribution because you have freezers, right? You know, you saw you saw things that manifest. Well, actually, the guy from Walmart was talking specifically about his cold storage yes. distribution center. So there right. you go. Right, but I think I, I guess my question is like, is there enough? other materials in the store that are boxed similarly that are like the the center aisle stuff that could be utilized and when you think about direct to consumer other small to medium sized businesses like they could be sending like 
liquid death or like all these other like energy drinks that are specific people like I there could potentially be a case made that there are cyclical things that could fill some of those gaps I think to your point though it's going to take and to A&M's point it's going to take a lot of work on the part of the retailer that is outside their area of expertise in order to do this and is that worth the time investment and the resource investment well and the point I come back to with what you just said honestly which I think strengthens the argument is you know the 3PLs already do that. They've already figured all this out. Sure. They already have the networks built to capitalize on that. Like they're not they're not they're not new to this game. Right. And so like analogous to media networks, like mm-hmm. my question then becomes how many of these do we really need? Right. And who has the right to win in this space? Somebody that's been doing that and figured that out and figured out all those product variations For sure. or someone like an apparel retailer who has no experience doing that? And to AM's point, could get distracted right. by trying to do it. Now, right. granted, it's probably a different arm of the organization that doesn't really impact Gap's day to day business. I could make that argument too. Like, as long as you keep this separate and yeah. you're smart about it, like, yeah. there's not that much like distraction argument to me. But still, it's a, who has the right to win. And again, ask the question what am I getting here? Right. It's really different. Or is this just something made to sound cool because you got software involved and you got some startups involved? Right. I don't know. And is it a race to the bottom again? Like what? Yeah. Like you're to your point of how many do you need? Like, one, you know how how yeah. well, how good are the deals going to get, and how much money are you actually making when all is said and done to get those people onto your your logistics marketplace? Yeah, ultimately, ultimately I think what's going to happen is you're just going to see a lot of activity in the space, and there's going to be a lot of companies that are start acquiring each other over time, and sure. people will make money on this idea as they get acquired. All right, Chris. That was a hell of a show. Yeah, it was. Uh, Let's get to the lightning round. All right. Uh, Chris, Adidas has launched its its first new label in decades called Sportswear, curated to serve the next generation during multiple moments as they tackle the sport of life. That made me (laughs) chuckle out loud. Oh, my God. I took my drink of coffee the wrong time. Uh, Yes. What could possibly be missing from your Adidas wardrobe that you hope comes out of this sportswear line? Oh, God. (laughs) And, And absolutely nothing. I mean, I'm all stocked up coming out of the holidays. In fact, I would... You know, if I was to do anything, and I would never do this, but I think I actually should just get the Adidas arm stripe tattooed down my arm, like an arm sleeve tattoo. You're going to get sued for that. Somebody oh. just got sued because they were trying to rip off the three stripes. Really? I, you On may. On a tattoo? You may. Wow. That's I th- crazy. I'm, I mean, I I know it's very heavily trademarked. <laughs> I'm not so. big time enough for anyone to give a crap. All right. It'd be a fun experiment, though. Yeah. This one was fun. This is getting a lot of play in media this week. AMC Theaters announced Sightlines, a program that charges customers similar to airlines based on how good the sightlines are from their seats. They come in three tiers. Standard value, meaning really close, and therefore those seats are very are much cheaper. Mm-hmm. And preferred, i.e. in the middle where most people want to be. Let's say, Anne, the standard ticket is $18. I looked that up. There's a special showing of Titanic near us this weekend that was $18. How much would you be willing to pay for the upgrade, and how much would the theater have to take off for you to sit up close? I'm curious. I think that the thing that they're missing about this is booze. I think, like, your value (laughs) ticket, no booze. I think your tiers, like, you got to make it really worth it, like, super VIP. So if there was booze, I would pay for it. But I do not go to movies. So, like, first-class seating, you get booze. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's a huge miss here. The margins, they could be making on just the booze alone anyway um i i i think this makes sense it's kind of disappointing to me but i think it makes total sense like, yeah elijah wood was out in the media today claiming price discrimination for this so like yeah this thing's heating up i don't know how it's gonna play out it's fascinating it's worked well for the airlines right, right. um okay chris fanatics announced that they're going to start live stream shopping for collectibles and trading cards what was your most prized collectible from mm. childhood and uh would you join a live stream today to buy it 
Uh, I probably would not join a live stream to buy it. I don't think. Maybe. Do you still have it in your possession? I do actually. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I do. It's so you a, don't need to. Yeah. So I don't need to. Well, I don't need to. But yeah, maybe I would. But I mean, it's kind of a different mentality though, too, as a kid. But would you do a live stream to sell this prized collectible? No, because I would never sell it because it's a prized collectible. All right, and, all right, but all right. yeah, no, I mean, I probably would dabble in it for sure. But mine to answer the question, it was an alkaline. 1955 Bowman baseball card. That was my prized possession. Who's Al Kaline? He's a Hall of Famer from the Detroit Tigers. It was his second year. Did so they it wasn't call his him rookie like, year, but it was his second year. They call him like Alkaline Al or something? I, ooh, that's good. I, they might have. I don't know. I don't know, but that's a that's a good one. Is that his real name? Yeah, Al Kaline. Yeah. He's great. One of probably one of the best Detroit Tiger player the Tigers you know. player ever. Yeah, the more you know. All right, last one. I headed out with the boys this week to the the Dick's Sporting Goods House of Sport. Yes. To see the new Tom Brady uh, display, which is right yeah. there in the front of the store. Of like I was like, wow, uh, that's not going to be there for long. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> I also stopped in with the boys at the Cheesecake Factory for dinner. Oh, so my you? question, yes, I did. So my question for you is this. Do you think the Cheesecake Factory national, this is national now, I want you to put your national hat on, is overrated, underrated, or properly rated? I think you you get exactly what you expect there. Like if there's something for everybody on that menu because it's so effing giant. So you think it's properly rated? You think enough people respect and understand the value of Cheesecake Factory? I don't know if I would say respect and value in the same sentence uh, as Cheesecake Factory, but I would say like you you know what you're going to get there. Okay, okay. It's like Olive Garden see, or I, any other place. I'll like see, I'll see, I, th- I think it's I think it's, I think it's decidedly underrated. Like it was really? very affordable. Quite tasty. Yes, I do. I think huh. it's decidedly underrated. I think it's Applebee's go back, with like a flair on it. Oh, no way. No yeah. way. No, quality much, much better. <laughs> quality much, much better. All right, that wraps us up today. Happy birthday day to today to Michael B. Jordan. Oh, dang. Did you see him on SNL? Sorry. He looked no, I didn't. amazing. Oh, he, yeah, he's pretty, he's pretty oh. buff. Uh, Joe Pesci. Not the, so much. The exact opposite. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the woman who we all know was really the boss, and she was really the boss. The great Judith Light. Yes, she was. And remember, if you can only read or listen to one retail blog in the business, make it OmniTalk. Our Fast Five podcast is the quickest, fastest rundown of all the week's top news. And our twice-weekly newsletter tells you the top five things you need to know each day and also features special content exclusive to us, and it's all just for you. And we try really hard to make it fit within the preview pane of your inbox. You can sign up today at www.omnitalk.blog. Not sure how many W's I dropped there in. <laughs> Thanks, as always, for listening in. Please remember to like and leave us a review wherever you happen to listen to your podcast or on YouTube. So until next week, and, and on behalf of all of us at OmniTalk Retail, as always, be careful out there. The OmniTalk Fast Five is brought to you in association with the A&M Consumer and Retail Group. The A&M Consumer and Retail Group is a management consulting firm that tackles the most complex challenges and advances its clients, people, and communities toward their maximum potential. CRG brings the experience, tools, and operator-like pragmatism to help retailers and consumer products companies be on the right side of disruption. And Firework. Firework is the largest video commerce solution built for the world's leading brands. They empower brands with shoppable and live stream video on their own websites where people like to shop. Put your commerce in motion with Firework. Find out more at firework.com. And Trigo. Trigo Tech powers grocery stores with market-leading frictionless checkout and digitized operations. To learn more, visit trigoretail.com. And Sezzle. Sezzle is an innovative buy now, pay later solution that allows shoppers to split purchases into four interest-free payments over six weeks. To learn more, visit sezzle.com. And finally, Silk. 
The Silk Cloud DB Virtualization Platform is a virtualization layer between your workloads and the cloud. Helps you scale your cloud without scaling your costs. Visit silk.us to learn more. Mm-hmm. 